Hi, I'm Dora from Dora Nicolau and my drink of choice is a chai. I'm Gemma from Contently Driven and my drink of choice is red wine. And I'm Michaela from Inspired Office and my drink of choice is a sparkling white wine. Work-life wine time supports the responsible consumption of alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to episode 67 of the Work-Wife Wine Time podcast the podcast for Australian women in business who are looking for connection and the support of other women who are sharing the same business journey. So you've got Makala here today, and I am really excited to connect you with my special guest, Christine Cochran, who is a business mindset coach. Now, first question, did I get your surname right? Yes, it was pretty close, Cochran. Cochran, (laughs) awesome. Um, So... Christine, thanks for being here and welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Michaela. I'm excited to be here. That is my absolute pleasure. So let's start with telling us a bit more about what it is that you do. It's such an interesting question because I'm very different to a lot of other business coaches. I am very focused on mindset and it's actually been one of the most challenging things to actually describe. <laughs> Uh, I feel like it's it's such a funny thing whenever I have clients work with me after they've worked with me for a good period of time I often hear them share with other people the impact that I've had and the work that we do together and everyone always shares something so different so it's always such a different journey because we're all such individuals so to put it in a bit of a nutshell with the qualifications that I have I very much work with human behavior and the brain and understand why we do what we do what makes us tick what motivates us what drives us and I basically help you uncover your current blueprint of your mindset and whether that's actually serving you so usually clients will come to me when they're getting in their own way where they're frustrated with their growth not getting any further where they feel like they're pushing up against like a brick wall or a a ceiling and they want to actually grow to that next level. And I help them do that by uncovering how their mindset is holding them back. We work through shifting all their limiting belief systems. We work through elevating their performance mechanisms and the way that they do things. And that takes their business to the next level and they become a whole new version of themselves really. And that's often the feedback that I'll get from a client is like, I feel like a whole new person. And that's always such a joy to hear because that's my, that's my goal. It's like this, We can often hold ourselves back so much and we know that we have so much more potential, but there's something just in our way and we just don't know what it is. And I have the ability to be able to uncover that and actually shift it by changing and rewiring our minds and our our thought patterns to be able to then and shift old emotions and stuck energy and all the fun stuff so then they can step into that next level version of themselves. Awesome. Now, I noticed that like you've got a number of different qualifications and things. So can you just give us a rundown of the qualifications that you do have and so the tools that you use when you work with clients? Yeah, absolutely. So my background was very much in uh, business development. So I've worked in corporate companies before supporting business owners to take their business to the next level, very focused on strategy. And what I found back then when I was working in corporate was that some women took that strategy and ran with it. So some business owners were really successful with that strategy and some owners really struggled. And that really frustrated me. I was like, what am I not doing right? Like I'm giving everyone the same strategy. Why isn't it working for everyone? And so I literally was like, okay, 
something needs to change. I need to go and learn how to do my job better, how to communicate better so that we're on the same level with each and every person. And so I went back and actually studied human behavior to begin with. Mm -hmm. And that's actually understanding what motivates people, what drives people, um, different communication styles, different representational systems and the way that their brain works. So some people process information very differently. And so being able to communicate on their level allows them to receive the information in a much more powerful way. And so I started putting that into practice while I was still in corporate and saw massive results that I just was loving it. And then I heard about this thing called coaching and it was very new to me at the time. I, I was like, I didn't even know you could create a career out of it. So I got obsessed, I literally just got obsessed with the brain and then went and studied, studied neuroscience, went and did neuro-linguistic programming, which is a study of how the brain works and how we use language to, which impacts the way that we feel. And it's how all the different processes that our brain does. And it's such a fascinating, complex organ that we have. And so then it evolved into so many different modalities that I use now with my clients. So it's not just NLP, but it's inner child healings, it's uh, alignment processes. So there's been further studies on from NLP where NLP was very much the study of the brain and the mind, mm -hmm. but there's also been new studies that have come out that we have multiple neural networks in our body. So we have one as part of our heart that's, that is an intelligence that communicates with us, just mm -hmm. communicates very differently to our brain. Then we also have one in our gut. We also have one in our in our pelvic floor. We also have another one in our nervous system. So I do a lot of alignment processes because often we're so out of alignment with what's important to us and who we truly are. And we're trying to do all the things the way that we think we should do mm. and they don't work, right? Mm. So I do a lot of alignment processes in child healings. Um, what else am I missing? There's so many different modalities, but I bring them all diff all together depending on what the client needs. So it's very individual to the client and what they're presenting with. And then I will basically cultivate an experience for them to help shift whatever they need to actually find that root cause and to shift it so they no longer are affected by it. Awesome. Getting straight to the the cause of the problem. That's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Um, so what made you decide to work for yourself to step away from your corporate job and do the wonderful starting a small business and throwing yourself into the lion's den I think it's the age-old story of people in corporate <laughs> um, I'm sure that you know you, yourself or your listeners have experienced it before where like I was loving what I was doing and saw, saw great results to the point where they actually got me to start training some of their sales team. So they knew the impact that it would have. Mm. And yet I was very much a forward thinker and very much someone who likes to move towards solutions. Like I'm very much a solution driven person and found it really challenging in corporate because it would take so long to bring an idea to life. It would take so long to get buy-in from all the different people that had to make a decision. Yeah. <laughs> things just didn't move as quickly as I, I liked. And so I was, and then I also became very obsessed with the mindset side of things and didn't want to do all the other things that they wanted me to do. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to go out and do my own thing because I know the impact that this can have. And so that's when I stepped away because I was just like, I think I'm done with the corporate structure and the, and the politics and all that stuff that we know that I think has to happen. I, when I first started the job, I loved it. It was like my favorite job, like in my whole entire career loved it until it wasn't right and I think that everyone gets to that stage and so how long have you been in business for yourself um coming up on just over five years now ah yes so we I think we kind of started around about the same time because you you popped up quite early on for me because when 
um, I think it was your VA reached out. It was like, oh, I know that name. Why do I know that name? <laughs> I've come across you somewhere. Love it. I, you know what? I've actually never changed my profile picture for that reason. Oh, really? Just, yeah. Like I feel like people really, re- really notice not only my name, but also the imagery that I've used because I haven't changed it right from the beginning. It was like one of my first photo shoots that I did. And I love this picture. And it just is like my brand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like people always like, I know, I know your name from somewhere. And then I show them the picture and they're like, oh yes, I've seen you before. <laughs> That's what I did. I went to your Instagram and it's like, oh yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. And um, so just tell us quickly, what do you do when you're not doing this? What do you like to do for fun? So I love spending time with friends and family. Uh, I have nieces and nephews, which are just an absolute joy to spend time with. Uh, I love getting out into nature, going to the beach, uh, exploring and traveling. Uh, I like to to do other things that just bring me joy. Like I think sometimes we can get so caught up in, and I was very much like the first few years of my business, I was all in on my business and woodwork yeah. 24-7 on the weekends and all those sorts of things. And I feel like now I really am setting much more clearer boundaries with myself to make sure that I'm really making time for the downtime mm. and the time to actually enjoy life. So there's that side of things. I'm also in the middle of writing a book. So I'm, I'm doing a lot of time on that as well, which is actually quite enjoy in, in, I quite enjoy that. So it's not, doesn't feel like work. I just mm. have to make sure that when I'm writing, cause I do it on my laptop that I close out every other tab to <laughs> the yeah. delay my business <laughs> so that I'm like, this is just writing time. Yeah. I, I actually, um, I'm a bit of a tech geek and I actually have a separate login on my computer. So I've got my business login and then my personal login. Oh my God. That's a great idea. I have to do that. It's like, that is, and I don't, I'm not logged into anything business on my personal login. It's like that, that's how I really get the separation there. That's it. I'm literally doing that this weekend. Thank you. (laughs) Good advice. (laughs) Um, So Christine, today, I wanted to talk to you about imposter syndrome and I think when we first met up um, to have a quick chat about you coming onto the podcast, you talked about turning imposter syndrome into your superpower, which made me go, oh, because I'm I'm a Clifton Strengths coach, so I'm like, love superpowers. Anything you can turn into a superpower is amazing. So, in, like, let, let's start talking about that a bit. So can you give us a really clear understanding and definition I mean all of us as women and women in business we know to some degree what imposter syndrome is but can you just explain it to us like a bit more in depth like really tell me the clients you've worked with what's their imposter syndrome like what does it look like how does it affect us Yeah, imposter syndrome is one of those things that affects all of us. And I like to think about it in a very different way because we need to turn it into our superpower. Otherwise, it can derail us, especially when we're growing. So it can show up in lots of different situations. It can show up in places where we think about increasing our prices and think, oh, I'm not good enough. I can't do that. It's when we are possibly meeting other people that are maybe more experienced or more qualified or seem more successful than us. We can often play small and we hide because we feel like maybe we're not good enough to be here or who am I to think that I could contribute to this conversation. It can be when you share your your expertise, right? Like when you're jumping on a video or if you're jumping on stories or you are being interviewed, like anything like that, the imposter syndrome can show up and be like, oh, 
are you able to answer that question? I don't know if you're qualified enough. Like that little voice in your head comes up and plays up. So it can show up in so many different situations. And if you were to look at the dictionary, the, the definition of the imposter syndrome is the persistent inability to believe that we feel deserving of the achievements that we've been able to achieve, right? And often what happens is then we use terms like, oh, we're just lucky or we dismiss our actual accolades or achievements. And the two key words there is is really important to consider is believe and deserved. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is like, what's a belief? A belief is a thought you've thought many times. And how do we know if that belief is even true? It could be true for you, but it might not be true for me. Right. And so oft, it's actually all made up. Like it's all made up in our heads. Mm, exactly. <laughs> and- it's just us. Beliefs are just our thoughts, which are just sentences that come up in our brain. Exactly. And often what happens, it what develops it to be a point of like truth of like that hardcore belief that we believe, it's just because you've thought it many, many times. It's not mm. because you've done the research to figure out whether it's true or not. It's literally because you've thought it many times. And the other word is deserved. So often what happens is that we we reflect on, you know, the room that we're in, the person that's interviewing us, the the expertise we're sharing, all of those things and go, do I deserve to be here? Do I deserve to have this accolade? Do I deserve to share my opinion? And who actually determines someone's deservedness or worthiness is another way to put it. No one, no one does like actually says to you, well, okay, Christine, it's okay for you to share that because you're an expert, right? And often people get really caught up with that word expert, but you know what, like for, for you to be seen as an expert, someone else has to call you that. So we are always looking outside of ourselves for like this level of deservedness, this level of worthiness. And at the end of the day, no one determines that but you. Mm. And so the imposter syndrome is a really sneaky little fear-based pattern, fear-based thought pattern that stops us from basically stepping out into the unknown, doing something we've never done before, or doing something that could cause danger, right? So that's our brain's way of protecting us. It's like it's little arsenal little devil on your shoulder, the little gremlin that's basically coming to say, hey, I don't know if you're safe here. And so I'm going to come up with all the different reasons from your past as to why you shouldn't do this thing, because it's safe. If I if I protect you from doing that thing that could be dangerous, I'm going to keep you playing safe. I'm going to keep you playing small over here because this is comfortable. It's certain. And the brain then knows that you're not going to die. Right. <laughs> that's like to the extreme, but that's actually what's happening in the brain. The brain's always looking for whether you're in danger. It's wanting to keep you safe and preserve energy. And if you're putting yourself outside your comfort zone and you're stepping into something you've never done before, that's dangerous to the brain. And so what we want to do is recognize when it shows up for us and also recognize that it is a protection mechanism, right? It's not that it's true. It's not that that thing could kill you. It's not that that you shouldn't step out of your comfort zone. It's not that you shouldn't put yourself forward for that opportunity. It's actually just fear, right? So we need to actually work on how we reframe it to be an actual superpower because it can actually support your growth in a massive way if you learn to harness it, right? If you learn to actually seek it out, it can be something that actually elevates your growth. So tell me a bit more about that. So if you think about it right, when you're in your comfort zone, do you experience the imposter syndrome? Absolutely not. No, right? Because you're even, even 
not even a thing pop into your realm of consciousness no you just go about your thing you go about your day and your brain's like yep we've done this before there's certain to hear we're safe all good right you can even actually lean into a bit of confidence in your in your comfort zone because you've probably done it a few times and so when you're staying comfortable the imposter syndrome doesn't even show up it only shows up when you are doing something you've never done before when you're actually growing and even sometimes even as high achievers or even adults really like often we don't even give ourselves the opportunity to be beginners anymore like we step into our business or we step into a next level of career and we expect that we should know it all we expect Mm. that we should be good at everything but that's not the case and especially in business you're always learning you're always growing and by having that mindset of actually wanting to grow and being the beginner and stepping outside your comfort zone we have to know and expect the imposter syndrome is going to show up. It's mm. going to, right? So what if we shifted thinking about it like, oh, when the imposter syndrome shows up, I should play small or I should stop. This is scary. I'm not going to do this. What if we actually expected it like an old friend and was like, oh, hey, yep, I know you're here again. I know this is scary. We've never done this before, but I really want to do it. And I know that you're going to come along with me, but I'm not letting you drive. And so we can actually use the imposter syndrome to support our growth by knowing that it's going to show up. So we expect it. And then if we think about it, we know it's going to show up. We're going to do that thing anyway. What if we actually used it as a tool for growth? So what if I asked you that, hey, next week, I want want you to think about two things that you could do that would induce the imposter syndrome, Mm -hmm. right? That actually activated the imposter syndrome within you what would two things be in your business that would do that? Those two things are going to grow you, right? They're going to be things you've never done before. They're going to challenge you in ways that have never challenged you before. And we know and expect the imposter syndrome to show up, but those things are going to be needle moving activities in your business, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay. And I, so this is how I look at it now. Like if I haven't experienced the imposter syndrome in the last month, I'm like, mm, I'm staying pretty comfortable you know, only so much growth can happen in your comfort zone. So I think about it and go, okay, so what could I do next week that would activate the imposter syndrome for me? Oh, I could reach out to that big podcast and pitch myself, or I could actually show up on social media and talk about that thing that maybe I've been a bit hesitant to talk about because I think that I'm not the expert on it, but I'm going to be willing to contribute to the conversation. So I'm going to actually share value there, or it could be, I'm actually going to go to that event, even though I know that the people that go to that event are much further along in business than me. And that's scary. And that's something that, you know, I don't know, don't know what I'm going to say to these people, but I'm going to actually go because it's going to be uncomfortable. And I know that surrounding myself with people that are further along with me will help me grow. So it's challenging ourselves on a whole new level. And so when we learn the tools to actually manage the imposter syndrome and expect it and embrace it, we can then actually utilize it to seek it out to help us grow. I love that. That is that I'm hearing what you're saying and my brain's like, yeah, that makes total sense. But it's also going, now I just need some time to marinate in that. Because <laughs> the brain wants you to stay small, right? So when, as I'm sharing it with you, your brain's like, oh, but that still means I'm going to have to do scary things, mm. right? <laughs> and so it's important that like there are, you know, three parts to it. One, obviously expect it. Two, learn to embrace it. And three, then seek it out. Because if you don't do the embrace part, mm. then the, the seeking it out is really challenging. So what I mean by embracing it is actually learning to reframe the, the feeling of it. 
So it is a form of fear. It shows up in your body just like any other fear. And so it's about how you embrace that and change your relationship with fear, right? So often what can happen is that we feel fear, we feel scared, we feel afraid, we feel like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. We feel self-doubt and then we stop, Mm. right? We just stop. And the purpose of embracing it is like, oh, what is this here to teach me? How can I learn from this? What if I... What if I was to have a little bit more courage? And what if this feeling of fear in my body is maybe just a little bit of nervousness and excitement? It doesn't mean I have to stop. It means that I'm learning. I'm growing here because otherwise I wouldn't feel fear, right? I'd be comfortable. I'd be sitting watching Netflix, (laughs) right? And so it's like shifting and changing the way that fear shows up for you and let it support your growth rather than looking at it because often we just let it stop us completely. And so anytime that I have a task that I've put on my to-do list anytime that I have set a goal that feels scary. And if I've been putting that off for a couple of weeks, if I've been moving it to the next day of the to-do list, if I've been putting it on the goal on my goal, but never actually making a plan, I want to ask myself why that is because there's fear there, obviously. So we've got to actually embrace that and go, okay, so what am I afraid of here? And when we unpack that fear and actually explore it beyond the fear, Right. So often, like I said, we stop. We don't uh, we don't let our brain actually think about the whole scenario. Mm. Right. And it's in that defining of the fear that we can actually explore it to move through it. So honestly, I, I believe that any undefined fear will hold power over you every time. So right? true. So if we would actually explore that fear and go, OK, so that thing on my to do list or that thing on my goals list I'm not doing it for a reason. So why am I not doing it? What am I afraid of? And if I was to play out the whole movie in my mind of like, this is my next step. And if this is the plan to take all these action steps, what am I, what part activates the fear? What part actually shows up for me as scary. And so I would go through and I would be like, Oh, I'm worried about judgment from this person or from these people. I'm worried about being rejected. I'm worried about getting it wrong. I'm worried about, you know, it flopping and just being a failure, like actually explore it. And when you do that, and then you actually ask yourself, okay, well, actually, how would I handle that? Like play out the whole entire scenario beyond it, right? Like how many times do we think we, we want to quit on our businesses, right? Like, oh, every other day. Yeah. So I had this happen with a client uh, a few months ago and she said to me, I think I'm done. Like, I think I'm just going to give up and I'm just over it. And she was pushing up against a really big precipice in her business because she was growing so much and she was being challenged on every level to grow and it was getting really hard. And I was like saying to her, like, you know, you can do hard things. Like, let's stop, stop telling yourself that this is just too hard. Right. Mm -hmm. And I said to her, like, she's like, yeah, no, I think I'm going to quit, Christine. I think I'm just going to give up. And I'm like, okay. All right, let's let's actually explore that. Let's let's look at what that would look like. And she was like, "What do you mean?" She thought I was going to like talk her out of it. And I was like, "No, let's play out the whole movie." Okay, so let's say you quit today. What would you do tomorrow? And she's like, "Oh, take a break. I would literally do nothing." I'm like, "Amazing." And can then what would you do the day after? And she's like, "Oh, I probably I probably have a good week or two off." I'm like, "Great. After that two weeks, then what would you do next?" She's like, "I'd probably have to go get a job." I'm like, "Okay, so you go get a job." amazing you know covers the bills whatever what kind of job would you do and she was like you know talking about what kind of job she could possibly get and then that's the penny started to drop all right and I was like okay so you start a new job and you have to get comfortable in that job so that might take a good six months for you to feel comfortable again in that routine and then what 
And she's like, oh, I think I'd be bored about that job probably three months in. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And then what? And she's like, oh, I'd probably just start exploring things that I'm passionate about. And what would they be? And so then we explored all of that and kept going until she was like, oh, I'm quitting because I think it's hard. But also I'm actually thinking I, I'm not passionate about these two things anymore in my business. So what if I just drop those two things? Mm. I was like, yeah, let's drop those two things and just do these all, like, go all in on these ones. And she was like, oh, that feels better. She's like, I actually don't want to quit. Mm. Right? But we don't. We just often get so caught up in the fear or the hardness of whatever it is is showing up for us and we stop right there. Mm. But often when we define the fear and actually explore it to a whole new level, she was like understanding like she actually would have felt like a failure. And she's like, I don't want to feel like a failure, but I'm already feeling it where I'm at right now. I feel like I'm failing right now. Mm. And like, you're not, you're actually growing, right? Like it's supposed to be hard. Like this is the thing. Like we don't get into business thinking it's going to be easy. And I think we come up against these hard parts and think, oh, a job would be easier. You know what? Probably might not be. Mm. Right. So anyway, sorry, I completely went off on a tangent there. But no, yeah, that was brilliant. <laughs> it's definitely defining the fear and learning to actually embrace it. So then you're changing that relationship with fear. So then it feels more comfortable, not even more comfortable. You can actually embrace some courage and bring some courage to the table to then start seeking it out. And it can be a whole different shift. And it takes a pra- takes practice for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's something that, you know, I've had to then continue to de- refine and get better at because yeah, there are still some things that I absolutely hold myself back on and I do the same thing. Sometimes it'll be three weeks in and I'm like, oh, I haven't taken any action on that goal I said I was gonna do, why? And actually was like, well, that's gonna activate the imposter syndrome. I want to do it, but what's the fear? So Mm. I had to to break down the fear. Mm. That's fantastic. And um, you mentioned something way back just before the start of that story that really stood out for me about the feelings of, you know, like the feeling of fear is almost exactly the same as the feeling of excitement. Yeah. Because that's something I learned with my my teenagers. Um, they both suffered from anxiety and so, you know, I learned to talk to them about, well, could, you know, you're thinking of this that's a scary situation, but could it just be that it's new and exciting and that's what the feeling is? Yeah. So I love the way of being able to, you know, you just, it's all really just about a a perspective shift on things, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like one of my clients messaged me yesterday and she took, she sent me a picture of her laying on the floor at the end of the day. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, what is going on? And she's like, yeah, it's been a day. Uh, And she was just telling me about her day. And I was like, yeah but you know what? Your hair looks amazing in that picture. <laughs> and she goes, oh my God, you're always seeing the silver linings. And I'm like, yeah, that's the way I want to live my life, right? Like yeah. it's so important. Like now that I know that the way our brain works, that our brain will focus and show us more of the things that we give attention to. Yeah. So if we're focusing our attention on things that are going wrong, we're focusing attention on negative things, we're focusing our attention and, you know, dramatizing certain things and our brain goes, oh, is that important? Okay, I'm going to show you more of that. Mm. And it continues to show you more. So my brain, I've rewired it now to the point where I'm like, I always look for the silver lining. I always look for the positive, always try and bring myself back to the solution. I'm also still human, but there are definitely days where I'm, you get down in the dumps or you feel like you're so deep in the problem that you just literally can't see outside of that. And it's in those moments where I lean on self-care to get out of my business, to create some space, to then be able to shift my mindset to the positive or the outcome or the solution. Mm. 
So can I ask you what, like, what does you working in your business look like? Like, you know, how, how do you structure your day? How do you, because, you know, being a business coach, you're obviously very aware of the downfalls that clients sort of find themselves into with all the overworking and all that sort of thing. So how do you structure your business in your life to put your self-care first and ensure that, you know, you don't fall into the same holes that your clients do? Great question. Firstly, I want to preface that I'm also human and it's not that I have it all perfect either, right? So I still am learning and growing with that experience. But there's definitely some things that I've put in place from early on that I feel like has made a big difference. So firstly is knowing when your brain is switched on and when you're in your most creative zone. Mm. So you may have looked into circadian rhythms before. So I've looked into circadian rhythms, which is basically when you're, so sometimes people are morning people, other times people are like middle of the day people, other times people are night people. I'm a night owl. Like I've always been, I've always like, I've never been an early morning person. You are not going to see me out of the house before 7am unless I'm catching a flight. Like it just doesn't happen. And early morning flights, it's always a risk because I could possibly miss it. Um, (laughs) So I know that about myself. And so I structure my business around it Mm -hmm. so I don't see clients before 10 a.m like it's just I just know that's just what works for me and I would prefer not to and I know that I'm a better coach in the afternoon so that means I also can see clients in the evening so I sometimes have clients in the states or or in Europe where I see them in an evening session Mm -hmm. so that works really well for me I think it's knowing that for yourself and structuring Mm -hmm. your day around what is good and for you and also noticing that you are not in a nine to five and I think Mm -hmm. out of that employee mindset to a business mindset or a CEO mindset. And I think my shift in focus is more about outcomes and results rather than time spent. Mm -hmm. So I used to get really bogged down in like, I would sit at my desk at 9am and then I would procrastinate for a good hour and a half before I would do anything. I'm like, well, this is a waste of time. Why am I doing that to myself? So that's when I started working from 10 o'clock and then I would get my day prepped and then I would, or I would see a client from 10am and get my day, get into my day. And I think it was more really like utilizing productive time. And when my brain is switched on for productive tasks So I would either be seeing clients or I would be creating content that is, you know, my podcast episodes, or it could be uh, creating programs, creating whatever it might be for my mastermind or for Elevated. Like I'd be actually working through things in that creative zone. So my creative zone is late afternoon, right? Mm -hmm. So I know now, like I would see clients throughout the day. I would usually head to the gym between three and five, smash out a workout and then come home and do a little bit more extra work because that's my creative zone. Mm. Right. So that really works well for me. Um, I think I also do a lot of meal prep so that I'm not having to cook every single night. Mm. That also is helpful. I think I also prioritize downtime and prioritize self-care or um, energetic care because of the work that I do. So because my client sessions can be very big. So when I say that can be very uh, highly emotionally charged, they can be uh, you know, working through some really deep stuff and I want to be able to bring my best energy to my clients. And so my energetic hygiene is super important for me as a coach. So my morning routine is all about that. So I need to make sure that I've got enough time in the morning that I'm spending a good two hours on myself and setting my day up on my terms before I let any of the world in. Mm. 
So that I find is super important. And when I forget to do that, or if I'm, you know, running, if I've got other things booked in in the morning or whatever it might be, I notice the difference in my energy. So it's important that I really take care of myself in the mornings to prepare energetically for my client sessions. Um, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else. I time block as well. I think that's really effective too. I feel like our brains like to know specifically what we're working on. And if we're too vague, then our we procrastinate. So I like to time block tasks, not time. So what I mean by that is that whatever's on my to-do list or whatever I'm working on, I actually block that in as a time block in my calendar. Mm-hmm. So I'll be like, oh, I'll create a two video for the next two modules of this. And then I'll put that in specifically, like what the topics are, what I'm covering, like all of that in a time block, do the same thing with my podcast episodes. I have time on a Monday when I think about the topics and get myself prepped. And then I record on a Friday. So that works really well for me. So trying to figure out what works well for you and get out of the headspace of in nine to five and work whatever hours you want to bloody work. Right. I take a whole day off throughout the week, which is my CEO day, which is just all about my own business right, to get on top of things, to make sure that I'm managing my energy, but also that I'm, you know, servicing my clients at a really high level, I need to have that CEO day because I don't want to be thinking about bits and pieces of the behind the scenes business admin and stuff in between client sessions, because that doesn't serve my energy well either. So I figured that out over the years, that's what works and what doesn't work. And when I stick to that routine, it's really beneficial for my business. Mm, That's fantastic. Um, yep. Time blocking. I'm massive, massive fan of time blocking. That's, that's Mm. how I function too. It's like my to-do list beautifully matches my calendar. Yeah. So you just, you know, right. Nine o'clock done that thing tick. So yeah, yeah, that, that's such a fantastic skill to use to get things done. Yeah. And I I love, I haven't ticked something off my to-do list because I I like paper and then my, my digital calendar. (laughs) If I haven't ticked something off my to-do list, it's because I've forgotten to actually schedule it into my calendar like every time. Yeah. Well, that, that's what I say with my clients. It's like, if it's not in the calendar, how are you going to get it done? I haven't put my gym sessions in the calendar. Yes. Right? Like, <laughs> I put things that I'm doing on my weekend on the calendar. I put like, so I always have like a CEO ritual that I do on a Sunday afternoon mm-hmm. that I actually have set in my calendar because otherwise, you know, life happens and you forget. Mm. <laughs> and it's just subconsciously, like, it's like, you know, something's on the calendar. So you make sure that you check it or I honest, honestly believe like it just is that actual intention that you put on it mm-hmm. and your brain knows like it's sitting there. So it helps you come back to it. Yeah. Um, And you mentioned like that you've got a two hour morning routine. So getting yourself set up for the day. So like, what sort of things do you do in that? What, what do you enjoy doing as part of your morning routine? So I think the first half an hour, I'm just kind of waking up and just getting out of bed and just, you know, doing the things. And I really make sure that I try to at least that first half an hour, I'm not touching my phone. Mm. You know, I think that's one of the biggest things is that because everything's on our phone and I even use like meditation apps on my phone. But I think yeah. it's if if I wake up in the day in the morning and I open up a social app or I open up email that's not a good start to the day no, <laughs> because I am literally letting other people's opinions and problems and challenges come into my brain. And my brain is then focused on external people. Right? Yes. And you're not starting your day on your terms. You're starting the day on whatever anyone else is projecting on you. And your brain is in that first 20 minutes of waking and it's in its most fragile state because it's literally the part of the conscious mind isn't fully awake to protect what goes into the subconscious mind. So what you're taking on goes straight into your subconscious mind, which is where your belief system sit. Mm. So if you're watching a video of someone on socials going, 
business is the hardest thing you could ever do. And then your subconscious mind goes, yeah, your business is the hardest thing you could ever do. And then that becomes a belief system, right? Mm -hmm. Really quickly. And so you want to be really protective of, of your subconscious mind in that first 20 minutes. So I get out of bed and then I will usually make breakfast and I will take a seat and my meditation chair out of the little spot where I always sit for the morning and I will meditate. And usually that can sometimes be 15 to 20 minutes, sometimes longer, depending on how I'm feeling. So there's different forms of meditations that I'll do depending on how I'm feeling for the day. So I will have different forms of either full quiet meditation where I need my brain to have space and white noise where it's literally just not um, consuming anything. Yeah. Other times I have more visualizations. So they're guided visualizations, which help me, you know, envision the future and use mental rehearsal to map out my day, to actually think about what I want to achieve today. So it's setting that intention. Other times it's more breath work practices. So it's actually shifting energy. So I've, if I've woken up feeling a little bit ugh, or a little bit low energy, then I'll usually do a breath work practice, which actually helps to shift that stagnant energy and to feel really revived for the day. So I'll usually do that for a good you know, 20 to 30 minutes. And then I will, I will sit and contemplate for the rest of the day, like what, what I've got on for the day, think about, you know, what I want to achieve and put a plan in place. So I'll usually make a couple of notes. Um, but I'm not really getting into my day just yet, if that makes sense. So I'm mm. just easing in and I just take my time. I then will make myself a coffee. I don't like to have coffee straight up because it activates your adrenals. So I really want to make sure I'm giving my space, my hormone space. <laughs> um, and so then after that, you know, in about an hour later, I'll make a coffee. Um, and then I, if I want to, like, and again, I usually have like a list of things that I enjoy doing that help my mindset, that help my support my energy levels. And it really just depends on how I'm feeling. So I have a list of things that I usually either do. So it can be uh, one of that list. So it could be movement. It could be yoga, stretching. It could be getting outside and going for a walk. It could be, um, a different like breath work and meditation. So it's just a bunch of different things that I'll do to start my day and then I'll get ready for the day. And then I'll open my office door. So my office is always, you know, you close it off for the end of the day and I yep. open it up for the day and then I prepare myself for the day. See what I've got on. I check in with my clients. I have a, um, a voice messaging service that I check in with them every, every pretty much every day. So we check mm -hmm. in with my clients and then look what I've got on for the day and make a goal to actually think about like at the end of the day, how do I want to feel and what would give me that feeling? So it would be something around like having satisfaction around something. So I think about maybe completing something, ticking something off my to-do list. So I feel like I've actually achieved something that day. Mm. Um, Cause sometimes, yes, I have my client sessions, sessions which are amazing. And then I might have some other little tasks that I'm working on if, I, if it's a client focus day or if it's CEO day, then I'll usually have a bunch of things that I'm working on. That's awesome. So then how, um, how do you then finish your day? How do you like to, cause you said that you like to work sort of later into the, the yeah. evening. How do you then, cause I struggle, like I've found, you know how they say that you need to be off screen at least an hour before bed. That's I'm actually two hours. Like yeah, if nice. I don't shut off two hours before bed, I can't sleep. So yeah. When you do work into the night, like how do you then, what's your end of day routine to transition you back to, you know, from business yeah. to life? So I'm the same. I feel like it needs to be about two hours. I feel like TV is okay for me though, depending on what I'm watching. So if mm -hmm. I'm watching TV because it's a distance away, it's yeah. not as impactful as uh, an iPhone or a, uh, a screen, like a laptop or something in your face because of the blue light. 
Um, so my end of day, like usually I try to get some form of movement in, so I'll finish work. Um, but sometimes like I'll do that mid mid afternoon walk or uh, gym workout between four or five, sorry, between three and five. So depending on what time that has been will then impact obviously what I do for the rest of the night. So sometimes I will finish at five, have no more work to do and then go do my walk, walk, walk and finish for the day. Yep. Um, but I like to basically, if I've come back from the gym and I also want to preface, I don't have kids. So if you, if you're a mom and you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, I could never do this. Like I get it. Like you can't. <laughs> And so you've got to find a routine that works well for you. For me, I, I don't un unfortunately have them just yet. So that's something that will have to change when I do have kids. And so I would finish the day and I will usually have like a purpose of what I want to get completed. Again, it's not time spent. It's always a completion. Mm. Uh, and so I will come back from the gym, shower, do whatever I need to do and then put dinner on. And then I'll usually sit back at my desk and finish a few things that I want to get done for the day. And then usually once I've dinner's ready, I will then close the office door and be in the other parts of the house. Mm -hmm. And that way I can then fully just switch off for the night. Um, usually I will also have my phone apps switch off around seven o'clock so that mm -hmm. I'm trying not to <laughs> be on them. Um, my strict though, getting off them is eight o'clock. So by yeah. then I'm no more on my phone. Um, and what else do I do? Oh, I'm really conscious of what I consume. So I'm understanding how the brain works and the fact that our brain doesn't know the real between the difference between real and imaginary, that what we watch really can impact and what we listen to can really impact our, how we feel and our mindset. So I usually watch a bit of trashy TV to end the day, to be honest, like it might be a series that I'm watching um, or I might listen to an audio book. Uh, sometimes like maybe once or twice a week, I'll read a book. So I'll switch the TV off and read a book. Mm -hmm. It depends on how good the book is that I'm reading. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I usually just watch a bit of trashy TV that doesn't actually take much effort. So it's just my wind down kind of evening. And then I will do a meditation before bed sometimes, or I'll put on a, an audio before, like, as I lay down in bed to prepare mm -hmm. my brain for sleep. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all that with me. It's like, I'm always really interested to, when I speak with coaches and people, you know, who understand the brain so well, it's like, it's always so interesting to find out how you structure your day, what, how you um, arrange things and the things that you consider are important with the knowledge that you've got of how our brain and everything works. So, but that, I, that was really interesting. What you mentioned about um, being protective of your subconscious mind in the first 20 minutes of the day, I'd never heard that before. Like, I know it's really important not to get on social media and stuff to start your day because, you know, you just, you feel like you're starting the day on the back foot. Yeah, but yeah, I, I didn't understand that that reason behind it. So that was that was really interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, because the brain, like when you think about it, if because the subconscious mind, so because the conscious <laughs> mind is still waking up in that first 20 minutes, like you're also like still like, where am I? What day is it? Like, who am I? <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and you kind of, your brain's literally noticing like your environment and then going, okay, that's right. I'm in my own bed, in my own house. And the brain then goes, okay, what happened yesterday to try and determine how do I feel today? Right. Mm. So it's always like doing that. If we're actively, and you want to give it space to actually do that. 
Because like I said, your brain doesn't know the difference between real and imaginary. So if you're opening up your phone and you're looking at someone on like sometimes like having sometimes TikTok could be horrible for this where it shows you like true crime things or it shows you like 911 calls, like they're horrible. And anytime that I see that, I'm like, oh my God, why are you showing me this? And then sometimes they hook you in. It's so terrible. <laughs> um, but like if they're showing you a person, for instance, it doesn't even have to be true crime. It could just be any other person. If you're jumping on your socials, and a person's TikTok or TikTok or a reel comes up and they start talking to you, your brain goes into comparison automatically because mm. it's like, is this person a danger to me? Right. Automatically, because it doesn't know the difference between it's in a screen. Mm. Right. So your brain's automatically on the back foot, on the defensive of like, is this person a danger to me? And it's like, oh, okay. So there's a bit of evidence from the past that I've, I've scrolled before and they're not real people. And then you're actually safe. So you could be actually activating the nervous system to fight or flight already, which mm. is not the way you want to start your day. No. And, so, and then the other key piece is that, yes, it's taking on board other people's opinions, other people's problems, other people's challenges before you've even determined what's important to you mm. or how you feel, right? So if you start your day off like that, you're already going, how should I feel right now? And if you're watched or read a, a caption where someone's having a really hard time, you automatically have sympathy and then you're like, oh, I'm supposed to feel bad for them. So then you start your day feeling terrible, mm. right? Like, or you compare yourself and you're like, oh, that person's really confident. Oh, they've posted today. I haven't posted yet. And then you go into this whole spiral. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's one of those important things that causes so many challenges if we're starting the day off like that. So start your day on your terms, determine how you want to feel what's important to you and, you know, set your intention for the day because I feel like that way you start off feeling better. Like if you do that consistently for a good three to four days, you will notice the difference it has on you throughout the day and then you want to do it again and again. Yeah, that's brilliant. Thank you for that. You're welcome. So I'm going to ask you another question about your business. Go for it. Um, Because, you know, we're a podcast all for women in business. So what's... And this might be a bit of a tricky one, although you're a coach. So you probably, I'm assuming you're going to take this in the way it's intended. So what have you found so far to be your biggest failure in your business? And the next question after that is, and what did you learn from it? Oh, great way to frame that question. That's so good because I actually just did a podcast episode. So I just hit my 400th episode. Oh, congratulations. Which is insane. Like, (laughs) um, (laughs) And so for my 400th episode, I was like, what do I even share? And so I was asking a friend about it and she was like, oh, I would love to know what failures you've experienced and what lessons you've learned. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I was like, yeah, great idea. I'm going to do that. And so I sat down and wrote down, okay, so what? And I used like the theme of four, so 400, mm-hmm. four failures, four lessons and four growth strategies that I've put into place this year for my business. And I was like sitting there for so long going, but what failures have I had? And it's not that I'm saying I haven't had failures. It's just that my brain was trying to search for them because I don't look at things as failures. Yeah. Right. Like I've actually reframed that because like everything in business is an opportunity to fail (laughs) and everything is an opportunity to learn. And I think that when we often it's so hard for our subconscious mind to separate a failure or a business Mm. failure to us being a failure. And it's so important that we don't connect those because you are testing and measuring everything in your business. And even if something is an absolute sure win, things can happen in the world where it doesn't win, right? Yeah. So 
if we take it on board as a failure, it then our automatic response is feeling like a failure. Like that's the last thing that we want. It doesn't serve us. And so I've worked on really, really changing that. So it was challenging for me to be like, oh, what failed this time? Um, okay. So what, what could I think of? So one of my biggest fails, I guess, in my business journey, um, I guess sometimes like I can chop and change really quickly. And I think that that's sometimes a strength and a weakness in, in one. So I've definitely mm-hmm. learned that lesson that if I'm chopping and changing too much, my audience doesn't know what they're coming to me for. Mm-hmm. So I think I learned that early on in the, in the journey of like, you know, two years in of like, Oh, I've got to actually really stick to one thing for a longer period of time for it to really hit. Yeah. So I guess there was that, um, being a big visionary, like I very much think about big picture. And so I'm very fast moving in that. And so sometimes I can make the mistake to not check fine print and to not really consider smaller details. And so I know that now is a weakness that I need to actually have someone on my team to check all of those things. Mm -hmm. So that's been a problem in the past where I've had issues where bookings have gone wrong for venues, for retreats and things like that. I've had, um, you know, so many tech stuff ups, it's insane. Uh, <laughs> That's just the nature of tech though. Like, yeah, exactly. Really. But no, but it was my attention to detail, right? Like yeah. it was actually just not really looking at the fine print and considering all aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, failures. Yeah, it's it's really, it was really hard for me to come up with four, let alone one. <laughs> um, what was my other failures? Oh, like I've spent, I've spent too much money on Facebook ads before, but I think that was a lesson I needed to learn. Like, mm. I didn't do it I wouldn't know it right and it yep. was really I was really testing in the market and going okay what do people want with my Facebook ads and what's going to really convert and so I learned so much through that I was mm. literally just like what I thought what people wanted wasn't what people wanted so I needed to actually go back to the drawing board again and actually ask ideal clients and and potential clients what it is that they wanted to see from me in order to give off their email address right like it's not something that people do anymore so Mm. uh yeah i think that was a really big lesson my god i'm so sorry i'm like (laughs) trying to think of something these these are all brilliant because it you know the they're all things that are important like data data is so important for a business and you don't gather data like if something's going well very not very often do we stop and go oh what what that all went well so what specific things went well we only tend to stop and look at things when something didn't go well yeah and even then some people avoid that yeah. but it's like you know we have to have these failures 100%. to get the learning it's like yeah. that's how we learn and it's yeah. it's it hurts my heart that you know in school, our children are taught to believe that failure is a bad thing. Because I talk about failing in business all the time. Yeah. Like, you know, how can I fail at this? (laughs) What went wrong? What can I learn and use as data to do better next time? Like I've failed, had failed launches for sure. I've Mm. judged, I've judged like five figure launches as failures. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Like I've had that happen before. And then it was actually in the reflection of it, I was like, oh, hang on a minute. There was a time in my business where I would wish I had a five figure. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then it was like re- really taking the time to reflect on it and go, okay, what worked? What didn't work? What could I have done differently next time? Yeah. Uh, and extracting those lessons because you're right. Like if you don't extract the lesson, I think now I'm so quick to look for the lesson. Yeah. Instead of actually dwelling on the failure. Like I've moved past the failure so quickly that I'm like, yeah. it wasn't a failure. It just didn't work. 
Yeah. Why didn't it work? Let's actually explore that because I think that that's much more effective use of our time because we Mm. can indulge in some of those negative emotions for way too long and it does absolutely yeah awesome well thank you so much for sharing all that I'm so pleased that you came on to speak to us today thank Um, you thank you for having me before we get to my final question can you just tell us a bit about where can people find you like what's your website where are your socials I'll add I'll have all of this in the show notes and everything but lay it all out for us where do you hang out so I hang out most on Instagram, to be honest. It's probably mm-hmm. my most comfortable, you know, confident space. Uh, so you can find me there at Christine Corcoran underscore coach. And that's pretty much my handle across the board. So on YouTube, on Facebook, on TikTok, you will find me at Christine Corcoran underscore coach. Uh, and yeah, come and send me a DM. Let me know what you took away from this episode. I always love hearing from people who have listened to podcast interviews. Honestly, it makes such a difference because otherwise it just feels like we've had a really good chat and no one else is listening. Yeah. <laughs> right so if you do listen to this and take something away from it please send me a dm and let's chat uh and then my website is my name so christinecorcoran.com.au awesome and you had a freebie that you wanted to share with us oh i have a few (laughs) uh if you jump onto my website you'll see there's two there's one which is my ceo ritual so Mm -hmm. every sunday i do a full reflection on my week and prepare myself for the next week ahead which is my ceo ritual Uh, and then i also have a money mindset guide so the 10 10 Money Mindset Shifts to Supercharge Your Business, which is, and it also has a money rewiring audio with it. So it's a little hypnosis that I've recorded that helps you rewire your belief systems for abundance and stepping away from scarcity. So both of those are there for you. Awesome. I'm totally going to check both of those out, especially the CEO ritual that I was going to ask you a bit more about that as we were talking, but I'm like, no, <laughs> keep it <moving laughs> forward. Yeah. It's I could have asked you so many questions on so many things, but you know. <laughs> So three-hour podcast episodes tend not to be everyone's favourite. Yeah. <laughs> I can talk um, about that. <laughs> so, Christine, what is one final thought or takeaway that you'd like to leave our audience with? I think one of my main purposes in business is to help women believe that they're much more worthy of whatever that they want more than they think, right? So often what happens is we doubt ourselves, we think that we're not good enough, we think all of the things. But at the end of the day, if you want it, you can absolutely have it. And so mm-hmm. whether that's more money, more clients, a more successful business, a family, and more family downtime, more freedom, like whatever it is for you, you absolutely deserve to have it. And that's where it first begins. Your self-worth is everything. And so when you believe that you're worthy of it, everything else becomes so much easier. And it honestly starts with the decision. We are so quickly conditioned to believe that we're not worthy of what we want, but all you need to do is decide that you actually are, right? And if you just decide that today, imagine what you could do. Imagine how you would stop holding yourself back. Imagine like if you were to absolutely believe today right now that I'm going to decide that I'm worthy of whatever it is that I want, how would you behave? How would you act differently, right? It all comes back down to that. So believe that you're worthy of it. That's honestly my mission in life is to help more women feel more worthy and through that have whatever they want. That is awesome. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. That is my absolute pleasure. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you enjoyed it, hit subscribe. If you'd like to learn more, then check out our website, www.workwifewinetime.com.au. While you're there, jump on our mailing list to receive special updates and offers from our guests. Until next time, take care and drink responsibly.